Welcome inside the newsroom. My name is Kelsey Bradshaw and I am the news editor at the University Star. Today I'm here with Nicole Barrios, the assistant news editor, Tara Polmar, one of the assistant news directors at KTSW 89.9, and Matthew Hamill, reporter at KTSW 89.9. All right, our headlines for this week, we're just going to sit here and talk about election night. That was this past Tuesday, it was midterm elections 2014. I think we were all up until the crack of dawn trying to cover it. Yes. I had a really <laughs> good time. Um, let's talk about those results first, things first. All right, we'll start with the mayoral election. Daniel Guerrero won with 64% of the votes. Jonathan Sorensen came in second with 21% of the votes. And Patrick Montgomery rounded out with 14% of the votes. I thought that was really interesting because Jonathan Sorensen had kind of never been heard of before this election, and to come out with 21%, I thought that was a really good showing mm-hmm. on his campaign. And he's pretty young. He graduated from Texas State in this spring of 2013. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, good for him. That's awesome. He's 27, I believe. Yeah. So he's still really young and I think he kind of made his mark. I don't think we've seen the last of him whatsoever. And that's what he was saying a lot, too. He was like, I'm not going away anytime soon. Like, you guys will still see me in the community and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And then this will be Guerrero's third term as mayor. So that's pretty interesting. And I think everybody pretty much expected him to win. So the polls kind of reflected what everybody had predicted. I agree. But I think they also reflected, too, that kind of not everybody, you know, is on the Get Out campaign. I think, I mean, if you combine... Montgomery's and Sorensen's results that's a pretty good a substantial amount. substantial amount of people who I guess just didn't vote for Guerrero mm-hmm. especially since Sorensen and Montgomery it's their first time running as well so mm-hmm. that's also interesting to see and we have some quotes from Patrick Montgomery he didn't have a watch party on um, Guerrero and Sorensen did and we had a reporters out there but we called Montgomery afterwards and he was just saying you know I was just trying to get a voice to be heard and I guess to some degree it was when talking about his campaign and he called it pathetic because um, people need we need more people to vote. And he said mm-hmm. that it was pathetic that not so not a lot of people voted this time around. Mm-hmm. I could see that. I mean, I could see his frustration. But we also have some results for City Council Place 3, correct? Yes, we do. John Thamides won Place 3. He got 54% of the vote. And Mike Davis got 46% of the vote. I know really early in when we got the early voting results that race was really close Mm -hmm. and that really I mean it didn't surprise me but I didn't think it would be that close I know Mike Davis ran a really really big campaign against incumbent John Tomites who's been in some sort of office for for a while basically the past Mm -hmm. 10 years with a few interruptions here and there but it was it was really interesting to see kind of like the tried and true city councilman go against I guess the more business side person. Yeah, he kept, uh, Mike Davis kept saying, I'm not a politician, I'm a businessman. And that was his sort of platform. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was cool to see their runoff. Um, I was actually at John Tomaini's watch party when we got the news. It was taking a long time, it seemed. Um, but they finally were decided, um, they got the results and everybody started screaming and jumping up and down and he hugged his wife. And it was just, it was cool to see their reaction. Definitely. And I know city council place four was a shocking Uh, result for everyone what were the results for that matt yes big shocker here jane houston won with 57 percent of the votes taking out wayne bichak who came in with just about 43 percent 
So, I mean, Jane Houston has been on the city council before. You know, she does have that record. Yeah. But Wayne Bishak being the incumbent, I mean, I think it was also his birthday on election day, which is very interesting. But um, I don't know. Jane Houston just she got out in the community and I think she kind of rallied those people who supported her her first terms on city council and said you know I'm I'm back basically Mm -hmm. and you know I don't think Bishak was totally like too hurt about it I don't think he was heartbroken because he said you know if I don't win I'll have more time for fishing and kayaking and hunting (laughs) and more time for his wife and grandchildren and he is retired so so he gets to do all of those things and I think he's still going to be really involved in the city side of it as well he serves on a lot of boards and stuff like that and then moving away from local results yeah um our statewide results well actually our u.s senator um john cornyn was elected with 55 percent of the vote um lieutenant governor for texas uh dan patrick won that race with 52 percent of the vote and governor of texas was won by greg abbott with 59 percent of the vote beating wendy davis who garnered 38 percent so I don't know if anyone was really surprised by those numbers or those results. Um, I know a lot of people were expecting Texas to remain a pretty red state this year, um, but the Democrats did go out and give a good showing, but the ultimate predictions came true. Because I think, you know, with the Democratic Party, a lot of people that we spoke with on election night were saying, you know, this is just one of those elections where we try and hold on as, like, as hard as we can to what we have, because I don't think they were really thinking that Wendy Davis would be able to pull through and win just because Texas has always been such a historically red state. Mm -hmm. So, but Greg Abbott won. During our election night broadcast that Matthew and I hosted on election night, we had Ed Mahawkinen, poli-sci professor and former San Marcos City Council member, say that Hayes County has been pretty purple for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And I think the elections this time went more red, at least for the county seats. So that was very interesting to see, like, not only Texas is still red, but Hayes County is pretty red, too. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the um, Hayes County Republicans I was talking to at Kent's Black's Barbecue, they're like, you know, Texas will always be red, and that's just the way it's going to be, which that's the way it's pretty much been for quite some time. But I know we sent a reporter to Greg Abbott's watch party up in Austin. He had it at the Moody Theater, and Rick Perry was there, John Cornyn was there, Ted Cruz was there, all to support him, Pat Green Band was there. We had a reporter there as well, and one thing that Rick Perry gave this really passionate speech, and he said that, you know, I'm really happy with, like, the future of Texas. Like, he's not worried at all. And so I thought that was kind of the metaphorical passing of the torch to Greg Abbott from Rick Perry, even though they don't switch seats, I guess, till January? Until January, yes. And something, you know, whether or not you voted for Wendy or you voted for Greg Abbott, something that's just really cool about all of this that I think we can all agree on is that It's so awesome because we have a new governor for the first time in 14 years. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a huge change for Texas. Like, I feel like Rick Perry's been governor my whole life, even though, you know, I'm 21. But no matter the outcome, I think it was a fun thing to watch. It'll be a new voice, um, new perspective, even though it's the same Republican Party. I think it'll be a new perspective. For sure. And I think everybody has that to look forward to in this next term. And then I know a lot of people were surprised, moving on to lieutenant governor, that Leticia Vandepute did not win. Mm-hmm. against Dan Patrick. Yeah, because I know um, Leticia Durandipute was out there campaigning for a very long time um, all across Texas, and I feel that some people think that Dan Patrick ran an almost invisible campaign. That's what a lot of people were saying. Like at TribFest, everyone was saying, you know, Dan Patrick, you ran an invisible campaign. You did such minimal campaigning. How can you expect to beat Leticia Vandipute? So 
I mean, everyone was super surprised because I think a lot of us thought she really had it in the bag. Mm-hmm. I think Vanderpute is kind of like, she's almost like the Texas girl, I guess. That sounds mm-hmm. really weird to <laughs> say, but, you know, she's from San Antonio. She has that base there in San Antonio. And I feel like she has, she had just a lot of supporters who were very vocal about her support. You know, she's very competent, very intelligent, knows what she's talking about, you know, has a great business and like, I don't know. It was just very interesting to have kind of Dan Patrick kind of just come up and say like, okay, I'm here. Yeah. Like, like, what's well, up guys? I'm even even Vandepute addressed that when she came to San Marcos uh, for her early voting campaign, she, she told voters to go to Dan Patrick's website and to see what he was promoting and what his policies were. And she was, she said, if you go to my website, you'll see what I stand for and you see what I'll try to do if elected Lieutenant governor. I just thought that was very interesting when you think mm-hmm. that he did kind of run a silent campaign like an invisible campaign that's just i don't know it was just so weird like once the results came through we were all like wait wait a second what you know yeah so. and i know dan patrick is um associated with the tea party and so i think um the republicans voice was heard definitely in this election they made sure. their voices heard and then um i know that we had all of our new staff out in the field covering different watch parties going to different restaurants. I was going to coffee shops with some of my reporters. So I think moving on to like our perspective of election night, I had a fun time covering it. That was my first time really covering a big election night like this. Yeah, it was definitely a fun, exciting night. I know all of our reporters, it was hands on deck for everyone. And um, everybody was super excited. I, I'm sure you guys felt it too. There was like mm-hmm. a buzz in the air. Um, yeah, I part mean, of it, all. it was my first time being a part of, I guess, like uh, this big of an election yeah. night. I was involved in the primaries mm-hmm. last spring. But Matt and I hosted election night coverage for three straight hours. And that was like, I mean, the first probably hour and a half, I felt like, I don't know if Matt, you felt the same, but it kind of went by a little bit quicker. And then it was like, okay, we are, we are still talking. <laughs> We're in hour number three right now. Oh, yes. I mean, and thankfully we are not a 24 hour news network. Otherwise we'd be up all night nonstop with the suits and everything. But it was definitely interesting to have results come in. For instance, when early results came in, for early polling, we could turn to Ed Mahawkinen or Rob Rourke and ask them their opinion and how they thought about it. And just to get constant updates throughout the night in this social media advanced world where where stuff comes in instantaneously, to just mm-hmm. be able to report on that or even take to Twitter or something. It's just how the game has really changed recently. I think that, sorry, I think that might make people a little bit maybe disheartened with elections too because the results aren't immediate. Mm-hmm. You know, they aren't tallied immediately. We do rely on some human, you know, typing on computer <laughs> yeah. processing. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. I think we're in a an age where people rely so much on immediacy, like getting an email, getting a text, getting a tweet. And all of a sudden you have to wait for election results. And I don't know. That might kind of put people off. <laughs> I don't know. And then I know Twitter was a huge deal for our reporters, all 13 of them. We were all tweeting from the University Stars account. And it was just crazy. Like, things were on Twitter all night long. Um, We were interacting with people on Twitter all night long, and that was really fun. And we were just telling them, like, take pictures wherever you go. Like, really use Twitter because we are in that social media age. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it made – hopefully it made our uh, watchers and and readers feel like they were at all these places at once. Um, You know, at Guerrero's watch party, at John's watch party. Mm -hmm. It It was pretty cool to see. And then the other thing, too, that we are hearing from a lot of people is that not enough people are voting. Like, Mm -hmm. 
not enough eligible voter, voters in Texas went out and made their voice heard. Um, we were talking, we, me and a couple of my reporters, Sierra and Nick, we were driving around, we were covering the community for the evening, and we were going into coffee shops and asking people, like, did you go out and vote today? And they are like, oh, no, like, I don't have time, or I, didn't, I don't know who's running for governor. And there's just a lot of apathy towards the whole process from students who are affected by everything so greatly that, you know, you're voting on. And our quote of the week actually comes from a student who we found in a coffee shop, Larissa Soto, and she said, I think a lot of students think that voting is time consuming. We have more important things to do. Which to that, a mm -hmm. lot of people have said, you know, what's more important than voting? And what, yeah, what's more important than getting your voice heard? Um, we're a nation that's lucky enough to have this kind of active democracy. Mm -hmm. I think we need to take part in that. And I don't think enough importance is placed on local mm -hmm. elections for things like city council places and uh, other public service positions because they're the ones that legislate where you live more than anybody else in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, if you voted for the mayor, you would you actually have a legitimate chance of meeting mm -hmm. him in a town like San Marcos, whereas if you only vote for the presidential election, you you might never ever be in the same room as the president. And I just think it's something that's definitely underutilized. Yeah, it's def definitely something I um, was able to see firsthand. I was at the LBJ Student Center on election night. I covered the watch party that you guys were broadcasting at um, at George's and I was able to speak to a lot of people there watching the election results and at the watch party they were all really engaged, really involved and they had all voted. But outside of the watch party, um, students just studying in LBJ or going to eat, some of them didn't even know it was election night <laughs> and some of them didn't even know who was running for governor and um, that wasn't the majority but it was kind of 50 50 like people were like oh is someone named davis running and i was like yes she is like please get <laughs> also out there also yeah a lot of other people. also everyone that you should kind of just at least know about or try to stay informed about and i know one thing that was mentioned during our broadcast from ed and rob was that you know it is kind of sad that people aren't getting out there to vote but also you know if people want change it does start at the local level if texas were ever to change colors it would start at the local level if anything is to happen local level because that's but. another thing too is our generation is the most inclined to take to twitter or to facebook and complain about stuff and you're mm -hmm. like unless you voted you don't have the right to complain about things that are going on so mm -hmm. Yeah, but overall, I think election night went really well. We all had, had fun, fun covering it, and um, it was just a great experience. I think it's exciting, and what's also exciting is some of the stuff we're working on for next week. So can you tell us a little bit about that, Kelsey? Um, we're working on a story about how safe students feel on campus versus off campus. We'll basically just be talking to some students who lived in a dorm maybe last year and now live in an apartment and see what they think works safety-wise and what they want to see change, maybe more lighting and things like that. Yes, and another story coming up next week that we have one of our reporters working on is that there is rumors that there will be a possible remodeling of the ALCAC library on campus. Um, they might be remodeling the first, second, third, fourth, and seventh floors, and there's a possibility that an eighth floor will be added. Which would so, be crazy. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be crazy. Um, that'll be great for our campus. And I know right now the ALCAC library currently holds 1.6 million books and documents. Wow. So it'll be cool to see what happens with that. There will also be a Veterans Day parade on Saturday, November 8th, and you can expect us out there covering that for you. And we will also be bringing you a personal profile on a veteran. 
Definitely, that'll be really cool. And KTSW is also working on a follow-up story from the San Marcos Police Department on possible gang activity that was associated with the Vistas Apartments, kind of how they determine whether or not something's a threat and what people can do to be safe. So everything will be very interesting next week. All right, you guys, pretty cool. So thanks for joining us this week on Inside the Newsroom. Be sure to look for us every Friday on iTunes, SoundCloud, and the University Stars website. Leave any questions or comments on the Stars website or tweet at us using the hashtag NewsroomTXST. And don't forget to pick up the University Star and listen to KTSW every week.